Hotline. So glad you're with me today. Uh, last, um, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday. Wednesday, we did um, the last question that we did um, ran over, is running over into this, this uh, today's podcast because I started it very late and then I didn't even get halfway through. Not even close to halfway through. So it's a continuation. But in case you missed Wednesday's podcast, I'm going to start off with this question. I'm going to run through it super quickly so I don't bore the people who did see Wednesday's podcast and then go from there. Um, but I do want to say, hey, listen, uh, Mother's Day is coming up. And uh, we got one month before that. A couple things with that. Um, one is uh, it's going to be a special week here on the Hope Hotline. Got some guests that both podcasts that week we're going to have guests um guests with me um first podcast i'm not going to tell who the guest is it's not because it's so huge and great it is it is great but it's a topic that i'm going to leave um unannounced until um that day um super sweet super great uh a guest it's a topic that everyone's going to want to hear about and listen to and um it's a little controversial, but it's going to be good. And then um, the, that'll be on Wednesday's podcast. And then on Friday's podcast, it's going to be, um, I might throw Talia in there, but definitely it's going to be, my mom's going to be on the podcast. Uh, my daughter's going to be on the podcast. Uh, Heather's going to be on the podcast. Tracy's going to definitely be on the podcast. So the reason why Norma, uh, my mom, and Heather are going to be on the podcast because really it relates to my family. It relates to me. Uh, obviously, my mom's my mom. Norma's my daughter. But Heather is kind of like a pseudo adopted daughter. So what that looks like and things like that, how that transcends. I want people to know that relationship. And then we got Tracy. Tracy's a, a character all around. And um, so I'm going to bring her in, and uh, that'll be fun for her mama to watch, too. Kim. What, do, what does Norma call her? Bot, Botchki. Botchki? Botchki. So everybody, well, Talia does, too. Um, everyone knows uh, Tracy's mom as Botchki. 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 I call her Kim. I don't know, Bobschke, like, what is that? Yeah, okay, Tracy will explain the name when we see her, but everyone that knows and loves her, is that her grandbabies that call her that, or do you call her that too? Okay, just her grandbabies call her that. So, it's her grandma name. Okay, so that's the reason why Norman and Tao call her that. I get it. Okay, so that'll be fun for her mama to see her on there, and you guys get to know her, and then we might just throw Tal in there. Oh, little Talia. So everybody gets to know the team. Everybody sees when I talk to people who they're talking to, but um, it'll be a good time. So make sure you tune into that. And the last thing is um, if you um, want a really great women's conference to go to outside of mine, because mine's pretty dang great, Pastor Donica just had hers top of the line. Like, oh, my gosh, that woman killed it. Pastor Donica killed it. She did such a great job. First of all, her team and how they set that whole thing up from the decorations to the whole atmosphere 
ambiance, fantastic job. Jessica, Pastor Jessica and Pastor Kristen, they did so good, so good on that. I mean, what is that? You'll put some pictures on? Oh, man. So, see, the thing is, is, like, a lot of people have these conferences. Like, my girlfriend, uh, Pastor Clover in North Fort Myers, she has River North Fort Myers. Like, her church is is brand pretty much brand new like they're and but they've they've grown substantially they're they're somewhat of a new church but even when she does things it's done in excellence it's like i see the pictures i like she does things so good even though it's a smaller church you don't have to be huge because i think we've always done things in excellence uh from when we were small to when we were larger it's always consistently across the board. There's a spirit of excellence. But, you know, not every place has that. Like, you'll go in, and it is cheese wagon, cheese wagon fest. You sit there and go, who in the world put this on, and could they have done a cheaper job? I mean, how can we do, how can we do this without spending a dime? That's, like, that's a church mentality in some cases. It's like, don't even bother. Don't even do it if you're going to do it like that. But always uh, always excellent always excellent uh pastor donicus is just so good and then um Re- revival today man there's this coming up in may if you want a really great women's conference to go to it's in pittsburgh pa right near the airport plenty of places to stay uh we have a huge amount of people going i just found out another group of ladies are going to that thing five ladies from this church that i did i just somebody was telling me when they were leaving um besides we have like i don't know there's 12 women that i know of that are going plus now we got this five that's like almost 20 women going that i know of and i'm sure there'll be more from our church so you want to um you want to spend some money on a really good uh and a good investment for yourself go to that go to that conference it it will be done top notch uh you'll be treated very well because i think that listen if you're going to go there and invest in yourself the people shouldn't be investing in you as well right if you go to something then people should not take it for granted that that you're attending but put the investment back into you so um so you will be treated first class and um man you walk away with with more revelation knowledge and just who you are in christ it'll just be a good time plus i get to talk i'll be i'm going to be speaking at that um, which i'm super honored super grateful that they asked me to come and um it's going to be a really good time which I was planning on going. We, there was a group of us that were going to go before they even asked me to come. I had already planned to, to come. But also, they're coming to mine, Adalis and Magalis. They're coming to speak at mine in August, which we already have so much planned for. We are killing it, which we normally are done in March anyway. It's like as far as theme, name, the whole thing. We already have it all planned out, which we already do. So we're right on target. Um, but it's going to be really good theme this year. So my beloved conference, what it's going to be about, I'll share when it gets closer. But it's gonna, it's going to be so good this year. I'm super excited. So um, 
Okay, let's go to the very first question. So I'm going to, uh, the, the question that I'm going to start out with again was last podcast and then we're going to move into it. So it says, so many Christians continue to drink alcohol and seem to justify it uh, by scripture that talks about wine. They always say drunkenness is sin, but drinking in moderation is okay. Can you please discuss this, this topic and explain why Christians shouldn't partake in alcoholic beverages? Again, like I love this, this topic. I'm just the girl to answer it. Um, I don't drink at all. Um, everyone on my team, they don't drink, their families don't drink, and they don't um, have alcohol in their homes. The thing is, is I will say this, and I didn't talk about this part um, the last um, time, but if you look at anybody in Scripture or, um, that was that Jesus had, or that God had a purpose and a plan for, um, a lot of times He separated them, and one of the things He separated them from is drinking. He didn't allow any wine, them to drink any wine, even though their wine wasn't the same as our wine today. But there was reasons for that. So for me, I, I don't drink because I want to separate myself. I don't want to look like the world. I'm not the world. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to be like the world. I'm better. I am better than that. And I'm not better than other people. I am better than what the world has to offer. And the reason it is is because I want all that God has to offer. And what God has to offer is far superior than what the world has to offer. So I'm better than that. My body is the temple, and unholiness is not going to be, not even temptation. It's to abstain from all temptation, right? I don't, I'm not going to be tempted by that nonsense. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not, be, um, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So these are the scriptures that I went over. So it tells us in the, in the um, it says this for us in Ephesians, not to be drunk on wine. Also in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, it says, do, not know, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. There you go. Nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Intoxicated. So when you are intoxicated, you are drunk, correct? Intoxicated, the definition of that is affected by alcohol or drugs, especially to the point where physical and mental control is markedly diminished. I'm going to slow down just a little, okay? I've already gone over this, but I'm going to slow down just a little. So when you're intoxicated, you're, it's either by alcohol or drugs. And a lot of people say, well, I'm gonna get, I can get high because it's an herb. So is opium, okay? Both all of them create a form of intoxication and we are not to be drunk. Drunkards are intoxicated and that is um, to the point where your physical or mental control is markedly diminished. When you get high by, by a weed or whatever, when you get high, there are people who use medical marijuana, met, uh, they'll use um, uh, oxycodone, oxycotton, What's another one? Predazone. Not do you, can you get high off of predazone? They get high off of all this stuff. You guys don't even worry about that if it's making noise. I don't care. Um, oh man, there's there's it starts with a P. I think a lot of people take for their back pain and things like that, besides oxycodone and oxycotton. Um, Tracy's looking it up. All of those things, if you're taking them 
for any other reason than medical normally it's normally if you're taking something it's only for a short period of time it is not something that you take on a daily basis and live on okay that's where people separate they're like well um i have back pain well great what is it what did you find hun tell what is it oh Mm. Morphine. Codeine. Morphine. I mean, you have to like. P-R-C-O-C-E-T. I don't even know what that is. Percocet. Percocet. Golly. Woohoo. Percocet. Thank you. Um. The thing is, is all of those people will justify taking them because I have back pain or whatever. My thing is to you is if you have to take a, if you have to take something that, that helps you get off, like people have to, for morphine, they have to, if they take it for so long, they have to have assistance in getting off of it. Even like ADD medications, um, red, um, uh, ADD, um, it's, starts with an r ritalin people there's actually cocaine in that ritalin has cocaine a form of cocaine in it and it's addicting and i've known people who have been on it and they had to wean themselves off of it like this is so bad and it's the it's it's very deceiving it's very deceiving it's very demonic so People need to know what they're taking and, and they need to be super careful because if it's addicting, then I, I don't know. I, I would be very careful about taking any kind of or any form of drug. I would be just because of what it says in the Bible. You can justify things all you want to. Well, I have to because I have such bad back pain. Figure it out. That's why God says he heals every sickness and disease, you know. Get in the Bible and lessen your prescription drug. Get in the Bible and receive the healing that he has promised you and get off the meds. So um, so let's go back to this. Uh, so let me go forward. So wine. Let's look at the content of, of how much alcohol is in wine. The average glass of wine contains 11 to 14% alcohol. Beer has 5% alcohol in, an, in, a, in a can of beer. Uh, so uh, a shot glass is like 1.5 ounces of um, anything uh, heavy alcohol. It's um, it's like tequila. What did I say? Tequila, rum, gin. Uh, what's another one? Whiskey. That was the other one. Um, vodka. Thank you. 40%. 40% in a 1.5 ounce uh, fluid uh, glass. It's 40% alcohol. That's insanity. So um, right now we're pulling up a chart. You can look at this chart with me. And it's breaking down um, from a can of beer all the way to a shot glass um, or like um, it, whatever. You know how they have those glasses that people put a lot of ice in? I don't, it's, it's not a shot glass, but it's a smaller glass um, that they put rum or whiskey in. It has, you know... I like a rum on ice, <laughs> a bourbon on ice, <laughs> whatever. It's always 1.5 flu ounces is what it usually contains. What did you say? 
Yeah, a whiskey drinking glass. Now, a whiskey drinking glass can be like a fluted glass, though. This is like a regular tumbler glass. It's small. Um, because even that, like brandy, the brandy glass is like, it's like a wine glass, but super short, a smaller, but it's got the fluted top. Whereas this one's just like a regular cup or a regular glass that, but you put ice in and it's smaller, but you only put like one and a half ounces of liquor in it. Do you know what I'm talking about now? You can see it. Well, if you look at my, the, the people can see it that are looking at this right now because you have the, the um, graph up for them. But um, so if you look at this and you break it down, beer, a can of beer, which is 12 ounces, has 5% alcohol. Then the next one is a regular, just a regular glass. Um, and that's 8 to 10 ounces of like liquor, a malt liquor or a malt beverage or hard seltzer, like that um, iced tea, that that hard um, iced tea. That is 7% alcohol. Then there's five ounces of wine in a regular wine glass. That's 12% alcohol. And then if you look at the next regular wine glass, it's three to four ounces, but that, that wine is a higher, uh, higher grade of wine. It's like, um, it's like a sherry or a ported wine. So there's a higher alcohol content, which is 17%. Super high for one glass. And you're, look, you're thinking about that's only three to four ounces. How many people pour that glass and it's way more than three to four ounces in that wine, in, in that glass? way more than that usually in that glass and so that means you're taking in way more than 17 percent of alcohol um then you have the uh, just normal glass of uh, a smaller glass of um of wine and that's two to three ounces and that's like a liqueur which i don't even know what that is what is a liqueur but that has 24 percent alcohol I'll be honest with you. When I drank, I just stuck to beer. Because every time I went and drank anything like a screwdriver or um, cranberry with vodka, they taste great going down. But, whew, they, it's so strong, like coming up. <laughs> it was bad coming up. I'm telling you, vodka and I, I did not like that coming back up. I don't hold my liquor down. I, I hold my beer down, but I never held my liquor down. Like, and if I mix the two, it was not a good night. I spent, like, what is that when you sit around the, I, I literally, I cannot tell you how many times I lifted my head and it was hanging, and it was hanging down in the toilet. I know, it was miserable. I don't know why I drank so, I would drink so much. It felt great going down, but. Not coming back up, girls and boys. Not for me. Then the next one is brandy, the brandy glass. And that's only one and a half ounces, along with the uh, whiskey and stuff like that. That's 40% alcohol. And there are people who drink that stuff all the time and think, well, I can have one glass. No, you're going to find out. No, you can't. You can't just drink one glass because you're going to find out that it's sin. It's not good. So uh, now, now we're going to go where I left off, which is your blood alcohol 
um, concentration, okay? Now, this is differing degrees by however size you are. Females obviously can drink less um, than men do because of our mass uh, weight, our mass body content. Uh, guys are bigger, they're taller, so a lot of times they can drink more than a female can simply because of their, their body mass. But still, you're going to find out they can't drink that much more without it going into the buzz level. So if you drink, and this is, this would fall under uh, the alcohol level, okay, 5%, things like this. You're going to see this. So I'm going to put both of the graphs together, and then you're going to see what we're going to, in a minute. But we're going to break this down first. If you drink 0 0.01 to 0 0.05 alcohol, you're relaxed, you have a slight buzz, and you're less inhibited and alert. And you're looking at this graph with me right now, so you can clearly see what I'm talking about. These are not my statistics. This isn't my graph. This is what, uh, this is what everybody goes by, okay? 0 0.6 to 0.10, .10, you're emotionally um, you're emotional, numb, sleepy, reduced memory, and coordination. You are completely drunk at this level. Before that, you're less inhibited and slightly buzz, and you have a slight buzz. In my opinion, I mean, I wouldn't risk it, but in my opinion, that's when you become intoxicated uh, at the 0 0.1 to 0 0.5 level. But let's say you're not, okay? I wouldn't risk it because I don't know what God says in his in his prerequisites as far as what drunkenness is considered so um but in my opinion you get a buzz you're altered so that's where i would say it begins point 11 to point 20 your mood shifts you have uh, mania and appropriate behavior so that's when you start sleeping around or doing things like i did which was always a wild scene not necessarily sleeping around but it was a wild scene as out of control I was probably at the point 11 point 20 at that point but I exceeded that guys because I just went straight to unconscious point 31 to point 40 <laughs> let's just skip 21 to 30 I went straight to 31 40 <laughs> almost every time I would commit myself not to do that but somehow it happened so point 21 to point 30 is that this was me too. Aggression, depression, and peer vision and reasoning. <laughs> oh my gosh. Been there many times. <laughs> Not anymore. In my early 20s. Some, some of you can relate. Oh my gosh. And then there's point thirty one to point forty unconsciousness or comma. Woohoo! That's me. Point forty one and over. Potentially fatal. I never reached that point. Never was me. So let's see how many drinks it takes to get a buzz, which is, in my opinion, again, can consider drunk. Let's look at this next graph. Now, this graph shows the female and it shows the male, okay? Now, anywhere that you see it in white, if you look over to, let me see how you're going to look at it. It should be on your right-hand side, Okay. Impairment begins is the white section, okay? 
So the light pink says driving skills significantly affected. Now this is, this is uh, for females, right? You got the, the pink, the white, and the red for females. And then you have the white, the light blue, and the, and the dark blue for men, okay? White for both sexes is saying that impairment begins, okay? For the ladies, driving skills are significantly affected under light pink. And then where it's dark red and dark blue is legally intoxicated criminal penalties, okay? So if you get to the dark red or the dark blue, that means you can get arrested for driving, okay? And you're going to find out it ain't very long. You can't drink very much. Okay, you just can't. And if, if it's considered legally intoxicated, then let's just stick with that's the time that, that you can be considered drunk under Bible's terms. Not under my terms, which I think a buzz is. But let's just go with the rule of law. You're considered intoxicated at the dark red or the dark blue, okay? Look at that. You're only at two drinks. And in some cases, not even two drinks, especially depending on your weight. So if you're a, a lady and you're 90 to 100 pounds, you are buzzed at 0.5, which is a can of beer. Okay, so one can of beer and you're 100 pounds. But if you're 140 pounds at the second can of beer, you're over a buzz, okay? If you are 90, 100, and 120 pounds and you drink that second can of beer, you are legally intoxicated. And how many people drink more than two? A lot. So by your third can of beer, if you're up to 180 pounds and you're a female, you're legally drunk, okay? So... There's no one that should be drinking two cans of beer. Nobody. Because except for unless you're 220 to 240 pounds on the second can of beer. Because those are the only ones that you're still, your, your impairment begins. Everybody else is buzzed or drunk or considered legally intoxicated. Okay. So everybody that says, I can just have one. Well, depending on your weight, no, you can't. And you definitely can't drink more than a can of beer. Because a glass of wine... A glass of wine on the second row, unless you're, unless you're a little bit of a chunky monkey, you're, not, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble because a glass of wine can go anywhere from, let's look, uh, well, a malt liquor is seven. So a glass of wine, depending on what it is, can be 12%. You're in trouble. Like, you can't even, people drink more than one glass of wine. And if you look at that chart, one glass of wine is 12%, 12 to 17%. You can't even, you can't even drink one glass of wine. A whole glass, in some cases, depending on your weight. It's not possible. Everybody needs to take a snapshot of this. If you're a drinker, you need to take a snapshot of this. Because people don't understand it. Men... 
They can get away with a little bit more, but not by much, before they're legally intoxicated. But even they can't drink two cans of beer in some cases. Nothing more than two cans of beer. Women can't exceed one can of beer. And then in some cases, they, sh they can't even drink one glass of wine, a whole glass of wine. So it's not good. Not good at all. And I'm sure there are some shocked people right now on uh, they just didn't understand. Like, I'm not kidding when I say you should take a snapshot of the graph. You should really take a snapshot of it because I don't think you can drink as much as you think you can drink. And I don't think that you understand the alcohol level of in the Bible is not the same alcohol level of drinks today. And we're going to get into that right now. What are you guys laughing at? Oh, a snapshot? Oh, a screenshot. Oh, yeah. Listen. Snapshot, screenshot. Take your little phone, put it up, like, take your phone and... Yeah, if you're on your phone, you can screenshot it. That's true. Taya's on it. Huh? No, I, no, I wasn't thinking they were, no, you're sweet. That's not what I was thinking. I was using the wrong term. Yeah. I, yeah, I was figuring they might be watching on their phone. It's all the same to me. I'm, not, I'm used to cameras. Even my, my phone being a camera, I use it as a snapshot. I'm old-fashioned, girl. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good, girl. Let's look at the alcohol content in wine in biblical times. So in 500 AD, they started distilling alcohol, okay? It's the process of distilling, and it didn't start until 500 AD. So I don't even understand what all that pertains to, but the old wine of biblical times did it could be fermented or unfermented unfermented would be like crushed grapes that never fermented they would put in the new wine skins and people drank it almost immediately which would be like drinking grape juice today which is so yummy and so good and that's what um a lot of people in you know biblical times uh when jesus turned the water into wine they were drinking real grape juice. That's why people were like, you saved the best for now? Because it was a raw grape juice. There was no, there was no fermentation, which makes it taste a little gross. Um, so when they went to this 500, uh, when, when they started distilling in biblical times, when they started distilling the wine, um, what that meant is they would do three to one. 3% water to 1% alcohol. And it could go as high as 20% alcohol, 20% uh, water um, to 1% alcohol. They totally, they watered down this grape juice. They watered it down so very, very much. So which made, when it became alcohol and it fermented in the New Testament, that meant that the um, percentage of blood alcohol concentration was 2.75 to 3%. So it was half 
of what, or almost half, of what a, uh, a can of beer was, okay? That's if it got to the fermentation because of the dilution, how much it was diluted. Um, so how that worked is um, you could drink more of it. It's like, like our, our cough syrup has as much as um, alcohol in it as what a glass of wine was back in that time. Yeah, cough syrup. In some cases, depending on the cough syrup, it has as much, if not more. And like those kombucha um, drinks, they can ferment. It's the same thing. That's basic kombucha is a watered-down tea with uh, different juices in it. And that can ferment, and that can have a higher content, right? So we're going to take a look at the uh, alcohol chart again so we can see what 2.75 and 3.0% really is. So let's think about this. So in Bible times, that can of beer, um, if it's two and a half, you could actually, uh, that can of beer is 5%. So if it's two and a half to three, it's, it's way far less alcohol content than that one can of beer. It's half of what that can of beer is. Um, and so they could drink more of the wine um, than, but, but do you think that they actually sat down like we do today and just drink one glass after another glass after another glass? Maybe they did. Uh, maybe they did, but I highly doubt it. Um, they definitely, you know, you, you look at the whiskey and the, and it, it, and you were like considered like a low life if you got drunk. I mean, you were warned against it, but the, the, what, like they made, they talk so bad about Jesus um, because he, because of wine and things like that, um, because it was thought of so low, they tried to use that against him, but it wasn't even true. So I'm just saying to you that, how do I want to say this so that it's not, what was the what was the word that they used in Bible debauchery? Is that the one that they used? What is the word that they used against Jesus? Because they said uh, because of the wine. I believe it was. Um, I believe it's debauchery. There's so many because of King James version, NIV, and stuff like that. That I sometimes um, because I read all three of them. And they sometimes change the terms, but but literally, the Sadducees and the Pharisees they talk so badly about him because he he did did he did eat with the sinners and he but he he did drink wine but the wine that he drank yes you could get drunk off of it but it was so low to be a drinker that like we today think of it so great like we hang on to it we want to drink. Back in biblical times, it was not thought of. You were not thought of highly if you were getting drunk. You were actually thought of poor, poorly, if you did. And so um, that's why they tried to use it against, tried to use it against Jesus. Um, so, so again, we're gonna. I, I I have these two charts. They're one on top of the other right now, so you can clearly see the amount of alcohol level in in each drink, and then the weight. Of, of 
you need to look at how much do you weigh if you're a drinker let's look at this right now while you're looking at this chart how much you weigh pick the pick the drink of your choice that you stick to if it's wine look at the wine content okay if it's 12 ounces think about how many glasses of wine you drink and then look at if you're a female um look at how much you weigh and look at how much you can actually drink before you're considered legally drunk um in the eyes of the law legally drunk not based on me being thinking that legally drunk is bust look at all of that if you're a male do the same thing and then you need to seriously evaluate whether or not you should be drinking and to the level that you drink and then if it's considered legally drunk and you do this on a consistent basis then you need to figure out whether you're saved or not you need to figure out whether or not you need to repent drop the bottle or the can and not drink anymore it says do not place yourself into temptation into temptation if you are someone that can't stop at one and maybe one is even too far for you then you might not need to drink you might need to just just walk away from it and not do it anymore and as far as for the christians who say that they love that they can drink because they love the fact that paul told timothy to drink a glass of wine um let's look at why that was let's look at uh first timothy 5 23 it says no longer drink only water but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities he was sick infirmity means sick and so what was happening is is timothy only drank water that's all he was drinking but where he was at in that particular location the water was making him sick so what he was told is put a little wine with your with your water don't just drink that so that your stomach can get a reprieve from being sick okay he was not telling him to drink wine because it's okay what he was which he was saying you can drink wine because it's okay but only because the water was making him sick and he wasn't drink telling him to drink wine so he got drunk the water the wine was probably three to one to 20 to one and so he wasn't going to get drunk off of the wine it was just giving his stomach a little bit of a reprieve from being sick from drinking drinking only that water because there's like we go to mexico right when you go to mexico you don't drink the water okay because it's going to make you sick that's what was happening to timothy where he was at that water was making him sick so he's saying just drink a little wine to to take away the sickness from your stomach but people want to use that scripture so it gives them permission to drink wine or drink beer or whatever you need to study scriptures out he wasn't giving him permission to drink so that he could get a buzz or that you know so he could drink a glass of wine every night if you're drinking that glass of wine and you weigh a certain amount of, of if your weight is a certain amount and it's giving you a buzz you shouldn't be drinking you shouldn't be drinking and most people the reason they drink a glass of wine or uh, or a can of beer is it relaxes them everybody that i've ever not everybody but almost everybody that i've ever talked to that loves their glass of wine they say well, it relaxes me okay if you need a glass of wine to relax you then you need to look at yourself scripturally and find out if you have a problem it's it's a form of intoxication it's not good 
It is not good. You need to figure out whether or not you have a problem. Um, let's see. Uh, at the end of the day, you know why you drink. You need to be honest with yourself why you're drinking. God knows your heart. God knows why you're drinking. You will be held accountable. It's just like every word that we say will be held accountable for every word that we say. Well, every drink that you take, you'll be held accountable for it and the reason why and how far that takes you as far as intoxication is concerned. But you need to be honest with yourself because some of some people that I'm talking to, it's heaven and hell for you. It really is. It's heaven and hell. And it's that serious. And you need to take it that serious. Nothing in this world, no person, no drink, no thing is worth your eternity in hell. It's not. It's not. It's that serious. And people will go, you're making a big deal out of it. This is a lot of drama over nothing. We'll see. We'll see. Not worth it to me. There is not one thing on this earth. Not one thing on this earth is which is worth my eternity. I always self, well, I would say almost always I am self-evaluating myself. And there's reasons for that. Because I, I want to get further along in what God has called me to do. And I don't want anything to hinder that. My anointing, nothing. So if it's, if it's words that I speak, if it's an attitude that I carry, if it's an addiction or something that like even with coffee you have to be careful with coffee like not because coffee's a sin but you should rely on nothing nothing ever should be something that you have to have every single day because if you don't like you should be able to function because God is more than enough there's not one thing on this earth that you need more than him that sustains you okay so always keep everything in perspective and everything with an ebb and a flow but um alcohol nobody nobody needs it nobody should be drinking it and it's a poor witness i've had i've had family members that have been accused of being drunk and they drank one glass of wine in front of unsaved family members they're a christian they had one glass of wine and and they were at a party and they got accused of being drunk which ruined their witness with these unsaved family members. And as much as they tried to argue the point, which this family member would never lie, so I'm sure they weren't drunk. Um, but because they drank, they, had, they put a glass to their lips with wine in it. They had no leg to stand on saying they weren't drunk. Not one. So they ruined their witness over a glass of wine. It's not worth it. It's crazy. It's craziness and that family those family members loved it because now they got something on them and um and it justified them drinking and 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 getting drunk so it's never worth it friends it's never worth it so next question is i was hoping you would share your thoughts on prayer structure matthew 6 19 through 13 gives us instruction on how to pray i listened to a teaching that went further and broke it down into six segments always pray to the father glorify god prayer should be kingdom minded eyes for eternity pray for your personal needs pray for forgiveness for you and for others pray for protection from spiritual warfare how important is prayer structure and do you have a different insight on how to pray 
Well, we're going to look at scripture and let's look at the scripture that you refer to, which is the Lord's Prayer, which is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And it says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Most of us know this. We have it memorized. I used to go to a church that that is what we closed out with every single Sunday. Pretty much have that one memorized in my head. We all should have the Lord's Prayer pretty much memorized in our head. Oh, but um, I will tell you that whoever you got that prayer structure from, it matches exactly to Matthew 6, 9, um, 9 through 13. Um, the only thing I would add is thanking God. I thank God, like when I'm praying over specifically over things, if it's finances, if it's um, healing or anything like that, I begin to thank him for what I already know his promise is, that, he's, that he says it'll come to pass. There are certain things that we know that if we pray, we believe they'll come to pass. And then I begin to thank him for those things because I know that it's already a finished work. I've asked, it's a finished work. It's going to come to pass if it aligns with his word, okay? Um, I would say that you have to be really careful in how you pray. I pray to God like I pray to a friend. I talk to him like he's my best friend. Um, I talk to him like I talk to Heather, I talk to Tracy, I talk to my mom, I talk to my daughter, I talk to Talia, whatever. I talk to God, to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus. I talk to them just like a regular conversation. I would say some people are very OCD-ish, like they have this, they compartmentalize everything. Everything's got a structure, right? Don't be rigid. Don't feel like there's a perfect everything. If you, if you don't pray exactly like the Lord's Prayer, you're going to be fine. God knows the heart. He looks at it. That's all he cares about. Um, when I, I don't pray Lord's Prayer style every single time I pray. When I woke up this morning and I, before I got out of the bed, I started talking to the Lord. I started speaking to him. I usually worship him the very first thing. I start praising him for who he is. That's usually how my prayer structure starts out, right? And then I just go from there for whatever is on my heart and my mind. Um, but it's like I'm talking to my friend because he is my friend. I think what happens is when we become rigid or we have this structure of some sort, it's God is here or, we're, or God is here and we're here, right? Um, when in truth, God is here and we're here. He's made it so we're right near him. We're, we're together. We're one. And uh, we tend to make it a distant relationship instead of like we're sons and daughters of him. And Jesus is the lover of our soul. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Um, the Holy Spirit, he dwells with us. He, he is um, what was sent here for us so that we're not on our alone alone he's the thing that uh that jesus said if i do not go away i do not send the comforter okay so it's, it's something that's 
that's so uh, Jesus compares the holy the Holy Spirit to something that is that was better than him so that we would have something that would dwell amongst all of us Jesus was one being that could only be with a, a certain group at a time but the Holy Spirit was with all of us do you think about it before 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 Jesus came um, and before the Holy Spirit was here there was nothing that convicted people they had a set of rules and guidelines like they had um, you know the Levitical priests had a rules of rules and regulations and if you did if you um, went outside of those rules and regulations there were sacrifices that needed to be um, there were animals that needed to be sacrificed for that sin right now Jesus comes he does away with the sacrifices but the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts right there was no conviction before then so we have something far superior through that conviction of the Holy Spirit and that comfort that he provides, we can go to, to Jesus and we can ask for the forgiveness of our sins. The world is a whole different place from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The veil was torn. We are close. God isn't, a, there's nothing that separates us from him. It's like this now. Um, and to live like we're living in the Old Testament um, standards and, and terms uh, you're you're um, hurting yourself. You're creating this division that just is unnecessary. Uh, most, uh, a lot of doctrines, a lot of um, um, what is it called? Like if you're Methodist, if you're um, Episcopalian, Protestant, things like that. Um, a lot of times, there's not. It's not taught. What is it? Denominations. I said doctrines, but I meant denominations. A lot of denominations cause that that it make you believe that there's such a separation between you and God. There's nothing. There's nothing that separates you. You are you are so close to Him, and your and your prayers can be so intimate and so close. That's really what He wants. That's why He sent Jesus. Besides the forgiveness of sins, He wanted us to have a closeness with Him, um, and the Holy Spirit provides that. So talk to Him like He's your family. Because he is. He is. He's your dad. The Holy Spirit goes before you. Pray in the Spirit. Because he will talk to, he will say things to, 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 to God that you can't say better than yourself. Um, you have an advocate for yourself. So use that. Don't suffer through this life with just a distance relationship with God. But don't box yourself in so that, you know, a, a structure, a regiment. That's not good either. The Lord's Prayer was was given to us so we have an understanding of what we can pray and how we can pray it. But that is not like the end-all, be-all. That's the rules that you follow. No, don't. Just, just have a relationship with God. It says that we're to pray without ceasing, right? Ephesians says to pray without ceasing and, and to pray in the Spirit at all times. So... Don't worry about so much about how to do it. Just do it. God knows. He loves He loves to hear us. He loves to talk to us. He loves when you talk to him. Just, just pray. Worry less about the structure and more about just doing it. If, if, it. It would be great if people just prayed. But most people don't pray. They only pray over their meal. I mean, come on. I mean, it's great that you're grateful for your meal, but God wants so much more than that from each and every single one of us. So uh, 
I love the question, but if you're a person that's very regimented, very structured, if you're very new in your walk with God and you're trying to figure things out, that's great and all, but just pray. That's all he wants. He wants to hear from you. He wants to love on you. He wants you to love on him. He wants you to worship him. Um, and then go for that. Just just leave it at that. So um, one more question. Why did your parents name you Hope? Which Hope is not a normal name. It's I'll, I don't know if I really loved my name when I was growing up because my sister's name is Faith. So you have hope and faith, and then I have an older sister named Sandy, and then I have a brother named John. So uh, growing up, I was either called faith, joy, or love. And it, some of them were to be funny, and it's just super annoying. I'm like, just call me hope. I mean, it's not, how many times can you hear, if somebody call, if you call me faith by accident, I get it, but so many people would, they, they think they're funny, and I'm like, how many times do you think I've heard that joke? It's not funny. I'm not laughing. <laughs> I'm 55 now, or almost 55, and it's like I've heard that. Oh, no, I am 55 right now. I'm terrible with numbers. I am 55. I'll be 56 coming soon. Yep, I'll be 56 very soon. It's pretty exciting. Um, so, um, so how I got named Hope is um, my parents got married very young. They had my sister, Sandy, and she's three years older than me. So they got saved after they had her. And once they got saved, they started saying, well, we're going to everything, not everything, but when they had important things in their life, they always sought God for them to make sure that they, you know, they, they asked God because names are important. They're super important. And my parents knew that names were super important. So um, my name was supposed to be Marcella. Marcella. Yep. What is that? Yeah. Uh, well, Marcella, Marcella is a family name. Less like Norma. Like my mom's name is Norma. My nanny's name was Norma. They're great women too. I, my nanny was a phenomenal woman. Very strong. My mom. But it's the first daughter that gets named uh Norma so my daughter was the first granddaughter of all of my siblings and then she's my first daughter so she was named Norma um so um but I was supposed to be named Marcella and my nickname would have been Teddy which is two of my two of my aunts so I have two aunts named Marcella and both of them went by Teddy but when they went to go and name me that um they asked God if that should be my name and so they felt like God was telling them, nope, don't name her that, name her Hope. So I have no middle name at all. They didn't get a middle name, so it's just Hope, period. Um, same with my brother John. They said that they felt like God told him to name it. Like everybody that's a Christian names their kid John. There for a while, John was like, like the Ryan of today. Everybody's name is Ryan or something like that right so uh, they named my brother John and the same thing happened with my little sister Faith they felt like God told them to name Faith so my poor sister Sandy she's got the normal name and the rest of us there for a while she was thinking about changing her name so she you know like love or joy or something like I don't know remember what she was going to name it but she was thinking about changing her name so it was more fitting with the rest of us but um that's how I got my name yeah parents prayed 
And listen, seriously, like you should seriously think about before you name your child, you should seriously think about, is that the name that God has for my baby? Because names matter. Names mean something. Back in biblical times, they named their kids specific things because they meant specific things. Look at Jacob. Jacob, right, means to grab the heel. Guess who was grabbing his brother's heel as he came back? Jacob and Esau. Esau came first. Jacob came second. Uh, Jacob's name means something when uh, God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. Names matter. If you look at names in the Bible of the, of the different Bible characters, you will find out that they fit their name because names matter. You are your name. So when you name your kids something, I know lots of families who did that. Like Tootie's name, I don't know what Tootie's name means. Tracy's little girl, we... Her name's Allison, but we call her Tootie. What does Tootie mean? Does it mean a fart? I don't know. Tootie, what does it mean? In biblical, you pass gas a lot. That's what that means. She's in the room. But seriously, names mean something. So we really should concentrate on when we name our kids. Make sure they their name matches what you believe God has called them to be. My name means encourager. And I tend to be an encourager. I'll knock you down a few notches, then I'll carry, build you back up. I tear you down to build you back up. That's the thing. But they do matter. So um, think about that before you name your children because it's super important. On that note, um, most important thing that we do in this podcast, and I think it's in this room, the consensus of this room, we would all say the most important thing that matters at the end of the day is where are you going to spend eternity? Eternity matters. A lot of people don't believe in a hell, and uh, so they believe that everybody goes to the heaven. And everybody does not go to heaven. There is a real hell, and the hell is not a place that we want any of our loved ones to go. And, and um, a lot of times we don't even know what hell is like, so we don't even know that we don't want to go there. But if any of us studied it out, we'd realize we would start winning the lost like crazy and I kid you not we would win the lost like crazy Um, because most of us will go through life and we don't think a lick about our loved ones our friends um, and we know that they're not saved we don't even pray over their salvations we don't even pray that somebody would come across their path to win them because we don't as believers even know what hell is like or I sometimes even wonder if we believe that there is a hell as believers. We act like it doesn't exist because we don't try and win the lost. It definitely exists. And it is not going to be a place that we want our worst enemy to go to. So out of everything that anyone does on a day-to-day basis, the most important thing that you can do daily is win the lost. Pray that someone comes across your path so that you can share your faith. And ultimately, through sharing your faith, you can win them and save them um, from what the devil has um, set for them. Um, So I would say to you, if you've been saved, that you've walked away, today's your day. If you don't know him and you've never known him, today's your day. Because God sent his son who died on the cross so that you might have eternity. And through that eternity, you would spend it through with Jesus, with God, and the Holy Spirit, and with all the rest of us in this room. There's mansions in heaven 
there are streets of gold. And hell is the complete opposite of that. Hell is very real. You will live in shame. You will live in fire. You will live in agony. You'll live in thirst that can never be quenched because you will never see water again. There's a sulfur smell. There are demons. And you will be naked forever and alone. That's real. That's the truth. And um, the loved ones that we have that rejected the truth, that's how they spend their lives for the rest of eternity. You do not extinguish in fire. It's internal anguish. That is what it says. And for those of us that are still walking this earth and have breath going through our lungs, we need to be winning the lost if we are saved to save them from that. But if you are watching and you don't know that you will spend eternity in heaven, then you need to say the sinner's prayer with me right now so that you do know. And then after you do say the sinner's prayer, you need to turn from your wicked ways and you need to start living for him. So let's say this prayer together. To Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to help me to turn from the evil ways that I am living right now, the lifestyle that I'm living right now, the way of the world, everything that is opposite of what your word says. Help me to repent and go the opposite direction. I repent of my ways. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. And I know that when I die, I will go to heaven and live with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what your son did on the cross for me. In Jesus' name, amen. You are saved, as saved as all the rest of us. Now what I tell you to do is find a very good church. Find a church that preaches the gospel, that seeks after righteousness, will teach you holiness, And that will disciple you so that you can win the lost and disciple others. Because ultimately, that's what Jesus said we're to do. We're to win the lost and disciple and uh, make disciples. Okay? That's what we're to do. So, if you did that, I'm happy. Please let us know. If you've um, gotten saved, please let us know. Send us an email. Send us in some way. Let us know um, by contacting the Hope Hotline that you've made that decision. We want to rejoice with you. We want to pray with you. We want to uh, stand in the gap because listen, every time you get someone gets saved, Satan comes to snatch it away. And we want to believe with you that you stick to it. And um, that's it. I will talk to you later. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Real talk.